Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I know our senior pastors are, are watching today. My heroes, and I'm sure all of our heroes, we love you, Pastor Byron Ann. We're hoping you have a great time of refreshment while you're on holidays. They are watching, I know that. Because uh, they will not miss this. They would not miss what God is doing in the life of Highway Church. And um, so make sure we're praying for refreshment for our senior pastors, our amazing senior pastors at this time. I want to talk today about the pursuit of contentment. The pursuit of contentment. As I said, Paul wrote, wrote these words to the church in Philippians. And he writes these words in a time when he's in prison. He writes these words in a time it's been 10 years since they've been able to send aid to help Paul. It's been 10 years since this church has been able to send aid through finances or food or whatever they could because he's living off what, he, what God provides. It's been 10 years and Paul has the audacity, audacity to say, and I love this, he says, I, am, I, am, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Remember, he hasn't received aid from them for 10 years. But listen to these words. As he sits in a dark prison cell somewhere in Rome, he says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content. Have you realized that the greater the prosperity is in our world, the harder it is to be content? You can look at studies all across the world. The happiness levels are not, we're not as happy as we used to be. We're not as joyful as we used to be. We're not as content as we used to be. In our 21st century age, how can it be that we have medical access, we have food, we have education, we have great structures in our society, and yet in Western culture, we are more unhappy than ever? How does that happen? How, do, it, how does that happen in an age where we can try to be happy? In an age that's taught, you know, just do whatever makes you happy. Go wherever makes you happy. Do, do the things that bring you great joy. In that age, when we have access to so much, how are we so discontent? How are we so happy? How are we so unhappy? You see, our problem in our pursuit for happiness, which is what we get taught, I want to throw that right at the door. Don't pursue happiness in your life. That's a clickbait right there, but you, can, you, can, you know what I mean. I'm about to explain. Do not pursue happiness. Because happiness will come and happiness will go. That's the, world's way of, that's the world's way of living. Pursue happiness. Whatever makes you happy, you do. Whatever you want now, you do it. Whatever you want now, you just go ahead and do that. Give up what you want most for what you want now. That's the, world, that's the way the world teaches us. Do not pursue happiness. We pursue contentment. We come from a dip, deeper level. You know why you don't want to pursue happiness? Because everything external to you creates you to be happy. 200 years ago, if I gave you a loaf of bread, do you know what you would say? You would say, thank you so much. This is going to feed the kids. It's going to be awesome. This is so, I'm so grateful. I didn't want to have to make the trip. I don't, you know, 200 years ago, it would be hard to get a loaf, baked loaf of bread. But 200 years ago, guess what? That would make you happy. Quite easily to make somebody happy 200 years ago, isn't it? Give them a loaf of bread. Now, if I did that today, the first question you would ask is, is it gluten-free? Is it Abbott's Bakery? Soy and linseed? You see, if you base your life of what makes you happy, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. 200 years ago, if I gave you some milk, you'd be saying, thank you so much 
for this milk. This is going to help keep the kids going. This is going to, oh, mate, you just saved me days going to the shop to get the milk. Or you saved me having to buy that cow. Thank you so much. You know what you would ask today? Is it dairy-free, gluten, well, dairy-free, sugar-free, lactose-free, extra dollar, whatever it is? See, that's why we can't pursue happiness, because guess what? We have everything. We have everything. You know, you're, if, you, if, your wage is, if your wage increases past $75,000, it is scientifically proven, sociologists have proven, that you will not grow any happier. Literally, there's no happiness radar with our finances. You can go and read about it. But it, it, $75,000, if you achieve more than that, you're not getting any happier in life from your finances. In our 21st century age, we have everything we need. A couple hundred years ago, we didn't have everything we need, and you could be happy on those things. But the reason why it's getting ha- harder and harder to be content is because we're relying on things that we want. See, our, our economy shifted after the Second World War. Instead of being a needs-based economy, when we needed things like bread, milk, all those types of things, we shifted from a needs-based economy to a wants-based economy. That's what capitalism did. Not against it, but I'm just saying. I'm talking about the thing is, is that now we want for everything. Because they realize, economists, that we would no longer need for anything. And so you're watching TV in the midday and you see that ab, ab cruncher, the thing that you swing on, you know, those, thing, those crappy um, ad, advertisements in the midday TV, the ab circle pro or whatever it's called. And you're sitting in your living room and you've never even thought about having abs. You don't need abs. You know, you're quite happy with that dad bod, whatever you've got working for you. But something sparks when you see that. When I was in uni, we talked about it a lot because I... I, I studied marketing uh, as my specialization, and one of the key things they teach you when you start marketing is, marketing is simply creating a need that the person didn't know they needed. That's all it is. So as you're watching that advertisement, you go, man, I want abs. You don't need abs. Nobody around you thinks you're going to get abs. But you buy that Ab Circle Pro, you buy that thing, and you're in your liver, you use it once, and then you put it in the garage. You thought that the thing would make you happy. You thought that that thing was going to bring you contentment. You thought that thing was going to make you joyful. It will not. Because we will want for more and more and more. I love this word by C.S. Lewis. He writes this in screw tape letters. He says, prosperity knits a man or a woman to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. I'm going to read that again. Prosperity... Knits the man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. I'm not against prosperity. I'm not against doing well. I'm not against, you know, uh, using your gifts for God and doing the best you can. I'm not saying we don't do that. That is not, I'm not saying you just have to be happy where you're at. But I am saying that we have to be careful with what we have. Let's not, go in, let's not get too prosperous for our own good that we knit ourselves into the world around us. We are countercultural. We don't fit into the world system. We don't fit into the world's culture. We separate ourselves. We are in the world, not of the world. We always want more. Have you noticed that? You want to be fitter. You want to be the smartest. You want to be prettier. You want to be wealthier. We all want those things. But you know what happens when we get those things? We want to be the ist. We want to be the smartest, prettiest, best, fastest. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. It's 
that constant need for more. It's killing you. It's killing you. It's killing me. When we want more, it's killing us. When we want more of the temporary, it's killing our faith. It's killing our families. It's killing our relationships. It's killing our need for community. When we want more, there will only be less. Point number one, if we are to live content lives, we must remember the miracle of the mundane. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Let all that I have praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. May I never forget the good things He does for me. You know, there's a story in Numbers, talks about how Jesus let the Israelites took the Israelites who were slaves, getting beaten, making bricks without straw. They were being thrashed by the Egyptians. God takes them out of Egypt. He brings them to this place. He's providing manna for them day after day after day after day. They're grinding this manna. They're making bread with this manna. They're producing with the God-given resource that God had given them. And guess what? They're free. They're not enslaved. And you know what the Bible says? It says the people grew discontent. The people grew discontent and they started to grumble against Moses. They started to grumble against God. We want meat. We want more. We're not content, God. We're free, but we want to go back to Egypt. And can I ask you this? There are some prayers that you are currently walking in the miracle of. That if you don't realize, you'll look, on, you'll look back into the past and lose faith for your future. You'll look back into what was and think it was better when you were actually enslaved in the past. You see, some of us walk through life and we look to the things that used to be without remembering the miracle that is. The family that you have that's causing you issues, you prayed for that one day. The finances that you're trying to manage that are causing you issues, you prayed for that increase in resource. That prayer that you wanted answered, you're living in it today. But the question is, are we thankful for it? The Israelites, they cried out to God for years and years and years. And he released them from Egypt and they still wanted more. They get what they wanted. Do you know what happens? They kill, it ends up killing them. Sometimes God doesn't answer a prayer because he doesn't want it to harm you. You're not ready. If you're not content where you are, why would God give us more? If we're not content with, let's just go finances, with the finances that we have, why would God give you more of a big, big problem? If you're not content with the relationships you have, why would God give us more of more relationships, more people, and therefore more problems? We have to learn to be content. I love that Paul uses that word, I have learned. You know, life is teaching us a lesson. Are we learning? We have to learn. It's not something that's given. You know, contentment is not something that's a gift of the Spirit. It's actually something you have to learn. Like con- contentment's not just something that comes. I'm sorry, it's not probably just gonna come to you. If it does, praise God. But if it's something that you have to work on, join the club. Contentment is something you have to work. Content, contentment is something you have to own. Contentment is something that we have to activate. I pray that it's activating in your heart right now. You see, I'm forgetful 
my wife last Christmas got me an AirTag. An AirTag literally tells me where my phone, or where my keys are when I lose them. I literally lose everything. If my head wasn't screwed on, I would leave it behind. Trust me. I, ha- I literally forget thing after thing. I lose my wallet. I lose my phone. I lose my keys. I lose my car. I lose literally everything that could possibly be lost. I would lose. But my AirTag now, I can play a sound, and guess what? It takes me back. I just have to have my phone, and it takes me to, I can hear it, and it takes me back to my keys because the, the lost thing has a sound. And in other ways, like, I wish I could put an AirTag on everything I own, that I would just know where it was because I'm sick of losing things. But guess what? You're more forgetful than you remember too. In the same way, God has done miracle after miracle after miracle, but we forget. I pray that the air, the air tag of the Holy Spirit would just remind us, even right now, drop some things in our hearts, drop some answered prayers in our hearts. They, it, won't, it won't fix the problem you're in, but it will make your problem gain perspective of where you're at. That's what we need. Point number two, if we are to live content lives, we must filter our feelings, not catch our feelings. We must filter our feelings and not catch our feelings. Can I have those ping pong balls there? I'm a youth pastor, so I always have to do something illustrative. Um, and stats show that you're going to remember this more than anything I say. Hopefully the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. But if I can have Saron up, come on down, Saron. Everyone to give it up for Caleb Saron. He's been out the kids. He's come out. I want to read for you 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 says, listen to this. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen to these words. Mark them down. And we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, each and every day, Soren's just going to stand up there. This is funny because um, Pastor Caleb always pays me out for leaving ping pong balls everywhere. So you think, like when they play table tennis, it, they can go anywhere and everywhere. And for some reason, Caleb Slatcher always finds them. I'm sorry, Pastor Caleb, as you're away on holidays, but this is about to happen. I'm about to throw them all over the room. But we need to learn to filter our thoughts. Let's say every one of these ping pong balls represents a thought, church. And each and every day, there are thoughts flying through your life and through your mind. And we do a great job to catch those thoughts. We do our best to catch every thought that goes through our minds. And some thoughts really come out of nowhere. (laughs) Oh, I missed it. Some thoughts... They just need to come past and we gravitate to them and we grab a hold of them. You know what that's called? That's called catching your feelings. We're not called to catch our feelings. We're called to take captive our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions. You know what thoughts are? Paul Scanlon says this. Thoughts are just data. What are you doing with the data? Are you being reactive with the emotions and the feelings that you're having? Or are you being proactive with them and getting the problem solved? I'm not saying we ignore our feelings. Do not get me wrong. I am all about knowing your feelings, understanding them, and using them and ushering them to the right places. But what we do is we catch our feelings 
And guess what happens? As we catch our feelings, our hands start to get really, really full. And before long, we feel like we're carrying something called a heavy burden. Did you know that Jesus did not give us a heavy burden, but a light burden? Did you know that he didn't give you a heavy yoke, but a light yoke? But so many of us are carrying all these thoughts, all these feelings all the time, and we're wondering why we're discontent. Our minds are filled, and it's not with Christ. And so what happens is, we read the scripture. I'm going to read it again. We take captive every thought. Either your thoughts are taking you captive or you're taking your thoughts captive. You get to decide. Either your thoughts are taking your day captive, your mind captive, your, your work captive, your family captive, or you're taking them captive. What happens when Caleb starts to take them captive? It means he needs to choose which ones he's going to allow and dwell on. He's going to choose which thoughts he meditates on. He's going to choose which thoughts he's going to allow into his life. And guess what? We get to pick and select. You can throw them, anyone you want, Caleb, away right now and into the crowd. There you go. Don't catch them. But we get to be selective. And as they come, heads up, as they come, we get to choose which thoughts we dwell on. We get to choose. Don't worry. Sorry, Pastor Caleb. He's probably having a heart attack right now. We will pick these up. Can you please give it up for, uh, for Caleb Saran too? Thanks, bro. We need to filter our feelings. Do not catch your feelings this week. When we learn to filter our feelings, that's when we find contentment. Let me talk about this real quick. Showing up in your strength, like we have to come to terms with our emotions. I'm not saying we don't do that. I, I want to be really clear here. We come to terms with our emotions, but showing up in your strength is called faking it. Like when you're having a bad week and you show up in your strength, you muster your willpower, that's what you call faking it. But there's a difference between faith. When you show up in his strength, that's what we call faithing it. You can show up in your strength and you're faking it, or you can show up in God's strength and you're faithing it. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Moody says this. He says, obedience means marching right on whether we feel like it or not. Many times we go against our feelings in life. Have you realized that? Faith is one thing. Feeling is another. We can either show up in faking it or we can show up faithing it. His strength or your strength, we decide. If we are to live content lives, point number three, we must understand there is no utopia, but there is hope. I'm going to break this framework right down. We've been sold this lie, especially in the Western society. There is no perfect place. There's no perfect climate agreement. I'm sorry. There's no perfect economy. There's no perfect law and order. There's no perfect government. Did you know that? Did we know that? There is, no per we, there is no perfection this side of eternity, church. There is no utopia, but we have hope. But we look forward to the thing that God is doing. Philippians 3.12, Paul writes this, I don't mean to say, listen to his words here, that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Paul's saying, I'm not perfect and I know it. But listen to what he says. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I want to get to this. You don't, contentment does not mean being lazy. Let's break that down. It does not mean just sitting where you are and being like, there's a divine dissatisfaction that comes with contentment. 
and it pulls you to heaven. It doesn't pull you to the physical things that can, that, that can indwell in you or restore you. No, no, it pulls you heavenward. There's a divine dissatisfaction that comes with being content in Christ, and it pulls you into your destiny. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. Listen, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. There is no utopia this side of heaven. There is no perfect family this side of heaven. Is anybody being released? There is no perfect person or perfect Christian or perfect church or perfect band or perfect lighting or perfect air conditioner or perfect, perfect moment this side of heaven. What we do have, though, is heavenly hope. We have got to ditch the idea that per perfect is out there. Because your family will never be perfect, your relationships will never be perfect, but we bring purpose from heaven to everything that we own. We press on. We press on. If I can have the band back. We press on. See, we've got to press on, church. We're content. We're at ease. Content comes from the inner man. Happiness comes from the outer man, what we can have, but we're, we're content where we are. But we press on into what he is doing. We're content where we are, but we're not just seat fillers. We're not just showing up on a Sunday. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Discontent people rely on the temporal. They rely on what is temporary. The economy, relationships, finances, everything's up and down. Everything is temporary when we're discontent. But content people, listen to this, look toward the eternal. Heaven's our home. What you're walking through right now is building something heavenward. It's building something that you cannot see, but it's something that should be celebrated. That trouble you've been walking through, it is bringing something out that nobody else can see. It is bringing something out of your life that education couldn't bring. It is bringing something out of your life that a great upbringing couldn't bring. It is bringing something out of your life that success can't bring and it cannot take. It is bringing the DNA of the Holy Spirit into the here and now. There's a saying that right now is the only time where, heaven, where eternity touches earth. So right now, are we living in the present? If we had to live content lives, my fourth point is this. We must aim to build a deep, trust in God, a deep trust in God. I was reading this verse through the week and it just spoke to me so clearly and powerfully. I don't want to read it for you. But it's about Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a prophet in the Old Testament. He ministered before God. He brought prophecy to the people of Israel and, and he writes these words and it's talking about the river represents the presence of God. It represents the presence of God flowing out of the temple. It's a, it's a picture of what Jesus would do really flowing outside the temple courts, flowing outside the four walls of a building and flowing into the world around us. And so Ezekiel writes these words and he's talking about how he comes to a place and he walks in this river and it's up to his ankles. Remember, the river represents the presence of God and it gets ankle deep. And there's some people in the room today and you're happy ankle deep. You're content being ankle deep in the presence of God. You've been like that for 10, 15, 20 years. Maybe you've been like that for just a year, but for some reason now you're happy and you're content splashing around in the ponds of shallows of a shallow relationship with God. 
And we come on Sunday and we might splash the person next to us. We might pray for the person next to us, but then all through the week, there's no depth. There are other people and you've, you've journeyed a little longer with God, but maybe circumstance or situation, you find yourself in a knee-deep place with God. Ezekiel gets taken to this knee-deep place. And he goes and, he's, and he sees that he's standing up to his knees and you sort of start to feel like you're getting some depth now. But for some reason, maybe it was COVID, maybe it was situations gone by, you've stalled there and you've been in a knee-deep relationship with God. But then there's other people. And this is the people, person I want to be. I'm not always there. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I really want to pursue this. Then there's the other type. And you know you're not knee deep, you know you're not ankle deep, but you're just trying to get in and immerse yourself completely and baptize yourself completely in the presence of God. That's when everything changes. Aim to build a deep trust in God. Says Ezekiel 47, He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. There's life where the river is. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the dead. So you know God's presence can flow through your desert. Through your driest season, the presence of God is there. And it says, the waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Even the stagnant places of your life, when you allow the presence of God in, it will refresh them. Listen to this last word. Life will flourish wherever the water flows. Contentment is found in building a deep trust God, I know you're here in the present. Thank you for building in me something that the world couldn't. Thank you for building in me something success can't. Thank you for building in me something perfection can't. Thank you for building something in me that's not based on my exterior, but my interior with you. I want to go deeper in 2023. I don't know about you, but I'm not content we're just staying where I am. I need the refreshment of the presence of God. I need to be in the river of His goodness. I need to be in the river of His presence. I need that healing water on my life to you this morning. Because contentment comes when we fully immerse ourselves in His Spirit. I love what Foster says. He says, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people deep people? Are you, are you in the presence? Are you ankle deep? Are you knee deep? Can I, can I suggest, friend, there is more? Or are you immersed in the presence of God? Are you surrendered to Him? Contentment only comes when we fully surrender. Can we stand to our feet? Shallow people rely on the temporary content people rely on the eternal we look to Jesus for our hope we look to Jesus for our satisfaction we look to Jesus for our contentment I just wonder if there's people in the room even right now and with every eye bowed every head bowed every eye closed sorry even if you're online you can reach out to the moderator but I wonder if there's some people in this room and I want to include you in a prayer and I just 
I'd love to see your hand, but I'm talking about you want to go deeper in 2023 and you, you've maybe had a dissatisfied heart. Maybe you've been a bit discontent in the seasons gone by. This is not a salvation call. This is just somebody saying, hey, I know Jesus, but I want to go deeper. I know Jesus, but I want more of, a, of His presence in my life this year. I want more of His goodness. I want more of His perspective. If that's you, would you just raise your hand all across this place this morning? I want to include you in a prayer. We're about to worship God, but I want to include you because I believe there is breakthrough. I'm responding to this this morning because the the devil wants his church discontent. The enemy wants to come steal, kill and destroy everything that God has done in your life and everything He's going to do. And will we be a church who says, hey, I'm not found in temporary satisfaction. My content comes from the Lord. I want to include you right now. If you want online, you can talk to the moderator. But right now, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, would you bring your refreshing water right now over this place? Jesus, your word says that I am the living water. I pray for a living water to break out of this place. I pray for a living refreshment to break out of this place. I pray, Father God, that you would break through, break out, break in to our lives in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that your glory would resemble in this place. It would fill this place with your glory. You would fill your people at Highway Church with your glory. Father God, what would it look like for us to walk out different? Father God, what would it look look like for us to walk out content in who you've made us to be, but walking into the presence and the purpose of God? God, help us to be a church that know the presence of God. Help us to be a church that's not satisfied with the shallow end, but jumps into the deep end, jumps into the relationship, jumps into your presence and your power. Holy Spirit, right now I pray and I prophesy life in this place. For every dead spirit, we prophesy the life of Holy Spirit right now. For every dead soul, we prophesy the refreshment touch of Jesus. For every dead mind, for every dead faith, we prophesy glory and and Your power and Your presence and Your mercy and Your grace in Jesus' Name. We bind and we break anything that the enemy has meant for evil. And Father God, You, You alone are turning it for good. We are content. We are the bride of Christ. We are Your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against Your people today or tomorrow. They will not prevail against our families. They will not prevail against our finances. They will not prevail against our future. They will not prevail against our purpose. For we have a hope and His name is Jesus. Let's worship Him today, church. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.